Attention! Welcome to the Film Mages Podcast, where the popcorn is our ammunition, the couch is our foxhole, and the cinema is our place of worship. Now let me see your war face! Hey, Mick, stop betraying your goddamn country, you, you son of a bitch. You, so, you fucking what? Benedict. What? You Benedict Arnold. God wow. damn you. Mick is sitting here with a bowl of... What, what? what are they... What are I you have, eating, Mick? I have a variety. So I didn't have enough time to make breakfast for recording in the morning. And I have a little bowl here of jammy Dodgers and Hobnobs, which are two different... <laughs> fake foods. It's not fake. They're just they're biscuits. Mick, you literally they're cookies. like a white man in, every time you get your haircut, you look like a white man in like the army or something. From you the, get from the, the you get from, the the you get the military I, cut for yeah, some I get reason. The, no, what it is is I get the uh, the uh, the space race cut. <laughs> I look like I belong at Cape Canaveral. Well, also there's a whole you know there's really a, a disturbing Britishization of my boy over here because I'm sitting here in you know my my revolutionary blues and Mick sitting over there looking like a goddamn redcoat. It's eating his fucking. I didn't know from- he could get more white. This I, is I spent this. I spent one hundred and thirty dollars on this. And it looks nice. It's from San Francisco. You look nice in it. Thank you. But I will say, regarding the haircut, um, I finally got a haircut. Everybody, one hundred and thirty dollars for the shirt. Yeah. I've never spent $130 on an article of clothing in my life. Really? Yeah, no. It's really nice. It's, it looks nice. Yeah, it feels good. Um, but you Mick, know, not even I have spent over $110 on something, and the only time I spent $100 on something was a dress, because that is a full this outfit. Is, this, is so, this is so a disagreement where I can I can hear Sloan yelling at the episode, agreeing with Mick. Yeah. I can, sometimes, you I gotta, can just, sometimes you have to drop a pretty penny for a nice little article of shirt, no. little article of clothing. No, give me, give me my five dollar bargain shirt at the thrift store. Thank you. Hey, says the woman who took me to Zara. Come on now, you know you like to shop, guys. What's wrong I with that? Did. Yeah, on, but I never taught you to spend $130 on one piece of clothing. How much did I spend on that sweater? Do you remember how much I spent on that sweater? <laughs> it was, it was at least a hundred dollars. The sweater See, could not yeah. have been at least $100. It was, uh, it was no. a member because we debated like if I should get it. 80. No, no it was like because 100. I've gone to Zara more recently and I bought a jacket and the jacket itself was like 90 ish dollars. Well, hey, some of us are making okay, money over sweater. here, so uh, hey, fuck off. <laughs> fuck off. I just, I just had the Mick, most... tell us more while everybody's going through unemployment and the stress how you are prospering. Oh, no. Oh, no. That sounds very American oh, of you. No, no, very no, no, American no, no, of you. No, no, Alexis, no. I just worked on a music video, and it was the most trying shoot of my fucking life. I'm not going to say any more, yeah. but it was... <laughs> yeah, we're both working shit shows, it feels like. <laughs> yeah, little bit uh but i was gonna say regarding my haircut um i had this barber i like to go to in hollywood and i can't go to him anymore because he turned out to be an anti-semite oh my god and i just i can't be associated with that i can't support that well, yeah and you can't be getting like a kind of alt-right looking haircut so, I'm an anti-Semite. so yeah but here's the thing anymore here's the thing though i found a black barber shop in sherman oaks and it's fantastic. But I came out looking even more like a Nazi <laughs> at the black barber shop. So 
I just, I don't know what to do. You need to be like me and look, you know, vaguely, vaguely Jewish. Vaguely Jewish. Yeah. Hmm. That's what you need to do. And then people won't think you're a Nazi. How do I, how do I, how do you, how do you do vaguely Jew? I don't know. I don't know. It's just happened my whole life. Every time I run into a Jewish person, I get the first question is, so are you? I thought you were Jewish when I first met you. Yeah, of course you you did. Everyone does. I think what it was, was that you kept going on about like all of your Jewish friends. You would say something, you'd be like, oh, don't worry, I have a Jewish friend. (laughs) That is so not fucking true. And I was like, you must worry. I was like, that guy should be Jewish if he's going to be saying stuff like that. That is so fucking cap. God, hello everyone. Welcome to the film majors. I am Zach. I'm Nick. I'm Alexis and so uncomfortable. <laughs> How is that for a fucking opening salvo for all of you? <laughs> that was uh, straight up just four minutes of us arguing. Four minutes of playtime. Going back to our roots. Going back to our roots, guys. You know what? We're in our we're right at the top of our second year of this show. I think it's time to go back to the basics and just kind of see what's going on. That was very good. Zach, that was so smooth. That was a good one. (laughs) Good boy, my baby boy. Apparently, the less I sleep, the better I do, baby. (laughs) Uh, So yeah, what's going on, guys? Yeah. What have you been up to? Have you have you been have you been watching films? Have you been seeing movies? Um, I have. I did. Thank you, because I. I haven't really. I saw most of uh, Q the Winged Serpent, but then I got busy. What is that? Uh, it's a 80s horror movie about Kitsakotl, the uh, ancient Aztec god that's oh. like a winged serpent ending up in New York. <laughs> it's uh, it's a little slow, but it's uh, I like where it's going. I'm going to finish it. It's nice. uh, very silly. The movie, I, right? Not a TV show? Yes. It's uh, something Cohen is the director. and for Larry Cohen. And ori- uh, he directed the stuff. Um, oh, okay. Originally, I thought it was a Frank Hannenlauter movie, which mm. is why I uh, put it on. But I think I was thinking of something else. Um, but still, you know, enjoyable time. I'm going to finish it. What have you guys been watching? Alexis, take it away. So I planned to see Talk to Me last night. Okay. But when I went into the theater, she said auditorium one, and I should have checked my ticket because I was with a friend and I did not check my ticket. And it was 945 at night. You know, there's only there's only like 13 theaters in this fucking theater. You know, you'd think that if we went into the wrong theater, there'd be a good chance that there's no movie playing because there should only be like two or three movies playing at 945 because, you know, not a a well-populated. Yeah. Yes. Yes. On a, on a Saturday night. I mean, like, like, you know, you're, you're walking into the tail end of another movie or something. Yeah. Right. But no, we, I, we happened to go sit down in the only other movie that was also playing at 945. So they, so it started at the same time. Talk to me would have started, but like, it was like a good like few like maybe a minute in and then all of a sudden the title card I was like this doesn't really look like I was like eight this does it didn't say a twenty four title card comes up it's a haunting in Venice and we were just like we just oh. like looked at each other and we we're like um <laughs> oops so we were supposed to go to auditorium two not auditorium one 
that's on me. That's also on the fucking ticket girl because she definitely <laughs> told both of us auditorium one. Oh, okay, um, so you were misled. So we were misled. Yeah, we were misled. But you know, we like to roll with the punches. So we were, we had a giggle, and then we were like, should we just like stay? And uh, so yeah, so we 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 ended up seeing a haunting in Venice instead of talk to me. Yeah, and uh, how's that? of all the movies I've seen this year. That's one of them. <laughs> yeah, we love those. We love one of them. Yeah, I, I, I think I'm gonna see that like soon. A, you what? I think I'm gonna see that movie soon because, like, someone should be watching those Poirot movies. Yeah, Kenneth Brown is making. Right? I actually yeah, want to I mean, watch it, but I want to watch the first two first. Yeah, I haven't seen any of the haunting movies, so you know, I just went and raw dogged it, you know, as I like to. Um, and uh, it was fine. I mean, it was like, I give it like a two, two and a half out of five, I guess. Well, I think um, this is the first haunting of the trilogy, right? Because yeah, it's, yeah, it's murder, murder on the Orient then Express, the death. then Death on the Nile, then a haunting of Venice. Right. Because, um, yeah, yeah de- and, I mean, Death like, on. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, no, no. It was, I mean, it was fine. Um, I don't know if the spookiest thing about a movie should be. A fucking bunny, like a toy bunny with really long legs. Like I, I saw them pick up this like toy bunny that was like, you know how like people used to like knit, like knit yarn bunnies, you know, for children like back in the day. Sure. Or not? Yeah. No, sure. Whatever. You know, just roll with it, guys. They did that. I'm you going know? with they, you. I'm going with you. They got to make toys. They, you hey, know, they, I'm a they modern man. Okay, themselves. I'm from the 1960s. Jesus. Okay. And. uh they pick up this bunny. This bunny has like the longest fucking legs I've ever seen. Like these, the fucking bunny's legs were like a foot long. They were just like noodles. And I got the heebie-jeebies so fucking bad. <laughs> I don't even. I just started giggling. And my friend was like, "What's what's the matter?" And I was like, "The bunny. Why is the bunny so creepy?" The um, and the bunny came up like multiple times for her. Yeah. The, yeah, the knitted bunny. That was what did it for me. Um, but Kenneth Branagh, Kenneth Branagh, is that, that's his name, right? He directed it yeah. and then also was starring in it, I believe, right? Yeah, he yeah. directs all of so. them. Yeah, he's a madman. Oh, he did? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's, he, listen, a couple of years ago, he got nominated for Best Picture for something else, just so he could keep fucking making his mustache movies. Yeah, his weird voice <laughs> mustache movies. I, I truly think he I like, did. like his, uh, I want to play a Frenchman. <laughs> I, I, no, I truly think that, like, Belfast, the movie that he made, like, you know, that's kind of about yeah. him growing up. A good movie, Belfast. I've never seen it. Um, but I feel like Neither that's... I. I feel like that is his uh, one for them, so he can keep making the Poirot movies, which are yeah. his one for him. He's all, I'll give that. you a magnus opus as long as I can keep my bunny legs. I'm, I'm not going to call... Uh, Belfast a magnum opus out the gate because I've heard that it is sympathetic towards the goddamn British over the Irish which can't be doing that we all know mm. how Zach feels mm. about that can't be mm. doing that I have a question I'm, a, I'm, of, a, I'm, a, I'm of a Killian Murphy mm. mind on this how is Tina Fey in it uh, she's Tina Fey that's I, exactly I what that's I thought kind of, yeah I you know I just Rarely do I see her in something where she's not just playing like herself or some kind of like, you know, snazzy. She's right. got all the little quippies. A Tina Fey They definitely type. had some jump scares. 
Yeah, she there was like a bunch of jump scares in this. It's Liz that Lemon just and totally Agatha Christie story. Yeah, there was a bunch of jump scares that were just like straight up like not scary. Like, I yeah. don't know if the timing was slightly off. And then, of course, like Tina Fey was giving like all these little like little jokies, you know, and I'm like, well, those aren't really quite landing, you know, um, I love them little jokies. Little little jokies. Little jokies. Little jokies. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Michelle Yeoh is Michelle Yeoh. I mean, she's she's good in whatever she does. Like she brought so much emotion to this like to this part that she had for only like the first act. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I do love a good ghost story, but once you've seen the fucking, the orphanage, you know, the Spanish movie, the orphanage, I had you watch that with me, Mick. That's yeah. Once you've seen that. Yeah. The Spanish just do ghost stories like so much better than like most other people. They, they say ghosts better than the rest of us because they call it phantasmas, which is just like, oh, that's that's a little flirty. I know. It's like, are you flirting with me? I also prefer it because it's like, uh, you, the, the most horrifying thing about ghosts is the fact that the, you know, they're the, their deaths are so tragic usually. And that's what the Spanish always get right about it, you know? Yeah. And I mean, like, sure, you play, uh, you play up the tragedy in a haunting in Venice, you know, but I don't think it comes through in the same way. Whatever. Yeah. What, what are you laughing at? <laughs> uh, Mick just went, <laughs> I can tell, I can tell that you, you were know, taken aback. I will say that was someone, an involuntary sound that I am keeping someone, in the podcast. Someone who's good at doing ghosts along with, uh, the, the Spanish is, um, I'm just Your Mike, throat. there's Mike, a ghost trapped in there. Mike Flanagan is, I think he also very much does a good job of taking the whole ghost thing of like, they are tragedies. Yeah. They are regrets. Yeah. They're guilt. I tend to agree because for, for me, ghosts tend to be ghosts and possessions tend to be like my least favorite yeah. type of horror. And generally. Usually just old man Jenkins under a sheet. Yeah. This usually it was old man McGillicuddy <laughs> this whole time. <laughs> Let's see who's really under And I'd have there. gotten away with it too if it hadn't been for you kids and that silly little dog. <gasps> so like Scoob, it was like old man McGillicuddy. What film have you watched this week? Well, by golly, I'm glad you asked me. Speaking of a haunting in Venice, well, I decided to have a little bit of a haunting myself. Guys, I went back into the 1950s, I think, and I watched Haunted Palace starring Vincent Price. Haunted Mansion starring Eddie Murphy? Vincent Price! Vincent He's Price. starting his fall season right! Exactly. Fuck yeah! Exactly. And I watched it. Uh, and it is honestly, it's a movie. It is a movie. It has a <laughs> We've start. Had so I many winners this week. Has a has an end. I love it. And it has this middle <laughs> bit as well. And by golly, they're all there in that order. Um, Fascinating. Uh, Vincent Price is uh, the best part of the film. With the way mm-hmm. with the the way he talks, you know, just, uh, every don't time worry, don't, don't worry, darling, he's a spooky man. man. So basically, it's about a guy who uh, inherits this haunted palace. Um, it's what the its titles based off of a haunted mansion, haunted one palace. Might, it's a palace. It's not a mansion. Oh, okay. they, there's even sorry. a scene where they talk about that. Oh, he's like, oh, this is such a lovely mansion. And he goes, it's a palace. <laughs> <laughs> 
they, they set the record straight. Um, he inherits his house and he is basically the living likeness of uh, his ancestor who owned it generations ago, who's like this evil warlock type yeah. guy, and made all of the village people. And I think it's like Romania or something all have these birth defects from witchcraft throughout all the generations. And so when Vincent Price returns to inherit this land from his family, um, everyone's freaking out because he looks exactly like the guy. Um, that done did him bad. You're really few fighting, years a, ago. fighting a burp on that one. I <laughs> really can tell. <laughs> Take a pot. So yeah, it's a film and it was a good time. It was, it's good. Spooky vibes, really good. Spooky vibes. I enjoyed that. It just, nothing really happened. I kept waiting for something to happen. And I was like, and I paused it cause I need to go to the bathroom in like 20 minutes was left. I was like, Oh, all right. So I guess this is what's been happening. Um, so yeah, haunted palace, check it out. Uh, and then I saw uh, um, Billy Wilder's The Apartment. There we go. For the Hell first time. Oh, my God. That's a great movie. I fucking movie. love that movie so much. Yeah, there's a there's a grip on the movie I'm working with uh, who is also a big proponent of physical media. And uh, we were exchanging letterboxed and talking about uh, Academy Award winning movies and uh, he mentioned that he has never seen The Thing, believe it or not, because he's not a huge horror movie guy. Man. And I had never seen The Apartment, and so we traded Blu-rays, and so I watched his The Apartment yesterday. And um, honestly, that would have been a good contender for last week's topic of movies I did not expect to break my heart. Yeah, The Apartment is because a it, really moving it movie. It was sold to me as a comedy, which it is. Absolutely comedy. Mm -hmm. It is, yeah. Genuinely funny bits in it. Um... Like <laughs> when uh, when he finally gets um, uh, Shirley McLean over to his apartment and has it to himself, and then one of the other bosses comes in to to use the apartment real yeah, quick. If you don't know the premise of the apartment, Jack Lemon owns this apartment that uh, guys yeah. higher up at his company show up to, yeah, to all of his cheat bosses, on their wives. Essentially, yeah, all of his bosses, managers, and supervisors will just use his apartment as like their their cheat place where they when they cheat on their wives they'll bring their mistresses over there and shag. Yeah. And <laughs> I knew you would really like Fucking, that. I'm gonna throw that no, Jamie Dodger. I want this out. Jamie Dodger over here. It fuels my vocabulary. Um, <laughs> so Are you speaking the Queen <laughs> Let's see. What was I talking about? Oh, so yeah. So uh, basically, there's this moment where Shirley MacLaine is there, and one of the bosses shows up and say, "Oh, hey, you bagged uh, what's her face? Hey, why didn't you say something? All right, let me get out of here." And then he closes the door, and then that's all said and done. Then he opens it one more time, like, "Hang in there, buddy boy." <laughs> And it goes out. That shit was so funny. Uh, yeah, Jack Lemon, as Alexis once said, is incredibly attractive. Incredibly attractive. Uh, that's true. Mm -hmm. She did say that. I have a quote of it. She didn't mean to say it, but she did say it nonetheless. Um, very good. Uh, Fred McMurray, that's his name, right? Sure. I think so. I think the guy from uh, Double Indemnity, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. He's a yeah. good bastard in it. And what a great premise. I really love it. Yeah. It's just like all Dude, like all of your bosses Shirley just McLean, totally though. Shirley MacLaine, yeah. What a babe. She is unbelievable. Goaded with the sauce. When I mm -hmm. honestly she's like she's like Brando, where you watch her and you're like, oh, this is a new yeah. style of acting. Like this is way more yeah. 
gen, like yeah, more, so way more contemporary modern type of acting. Because it's funny having uh, Shirley MacLaine in terms fucking amazing performance off of Fred McMurray, who's great, but you know, he's very old timey. He's very old timey, man. Fred McMurray, all that kind of stuff. He's from Double Indemnity. And he talks about you and he slaps you in the face, that kind of guy. <laughs> and to have that style of acting and this style of acting playing off of each other uh, was fascinating to watch. And I didn't know it was a Christmas movie, uh, but it is. So that's a good, oh, yeah. good Christmas totally movie. Totally forgot. There we go. Add it to the roster. Mm-hmm. Add it to the rooster. Yeah. Uh, real quick, <laughs> this is not uh, about a film that we watched, but uh, well, it does say anything. since the strike is going on, oh, okay. it's time to do some fucking call-outs. Drew Barrymore, go fuck yourself. How dare you start shooting your show again without your writers? You scab. Go to hell. That is I not caring about your workers. That is fucking them over. Just 30 minutes ago, I saw an article that said that they are now postponing the show amid oh! the backlash. And I was like, oh, shocker, shocker. Well, interesting. Uh, yeah, and then the other person who... Don't forget Bill Maher. Uh, yeah. Well, then, listen, I, I'm i not surprised that Drew Barrymore... Who's Bill Maher? Uh, exactly. He is a uh, late-night talk show guy <laughs> Real-time with Bill Maher, HBO. He's really obnoxious. Yeah, he's like... He's like the worst the, kind of liberal. He's like a quote-unquote liberal, no, but then like he's like, I don't think Muslim people should exist. Um, yeah, just, just typical liberal f- person. Oh. Yeah, fucking horrible human being. Uh, oh. There's a really... Memorable clip of Ben Affleck being on his show, like yes, yes. coming after him for being a fucking Islamophobe. Um, so shouts Jesus. out to Ben Affleck, who's not a scab. Um, yeah, he's a um, he's a Red Sox fan. All right. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Well, yeah, that's uh, you know that's our little strike update. Don't be don't be a piece of shit. Don't be a scab uh, <laughs> because we hate you. Um, and Drew Barrymore, good call on responding to that backlash uh, because that was a really bad decision on your part, and you look like an asshole. Um, Speaking of strikes, uh, the was it one 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 eleven? The new union forming oh, yeah. for PAs. I should be getting my card for that. I, I mean, it's for commercials only to start, but still. Yeah, that's well, really a lot dope. Of, a lot of PA work I've done has been on commercials, so. Yeah, yeah. That's dope. I think that's a good step in the right direction. And then also. <clears throat> as the, someone who is just really fucking mistreated as a PA, PAs get mistreated a lot. Yeah, they really do. They really do. Yeah. It's sad. I'm, I worked with an AD once who uh, looked at me when I sat down with my lunch and he said, What are you doing? PAs don't get lunch. Go to work. Uh, what's crazy too is just like i don't know it's it it feels like they treat you like uh like you're a child and we're all like most of us are you know some of us are in our early 20s but there's quite a lot of pas that are actually in their like mid to late 20s like fully adults you know yeah (laughs) and then they just get treated like they're fucking stupid children it blows my mind the things that i've heard people say to somebody else i've worked with career PAs, believe it or not, PAs that are in their 40s. Yeah, I've, still I've worked with the... Ascend. I have to, yeah. Yeah, I've worked with a key set PA who's in his 40s. Mm. Um, yeah, no, don't don't mistreat your PAs, don't mistreat your workers, and uh, you know, if you're listening to this episode and uh, unlike me, you've, you've been working mm-hmm. consistently, go ahead and click those strike fund links and uh, throw a little cash their way. Yeah. Um, 
Also, uh, the VFX house for Marvel. Yeah, yeah, yeah VFX finally, is looking at unionizing. Which is fantastic, mm-hmm. because that's one Thank department God. that really needs it. Because with all this content creation, especially yeah. with so many of them are offshoot of superhero Marvel comic things, that requires a lot of VFX. Let's look at Star Wars. Um, they need to crank this shit out so quickly, and they just aren't given the time to do it. So they're working on godly hours. Uh, I've heard some of them work on flat rates, which is insane. Oh my god, um, it's crazy! So I remember working on Nope uh, even back then. Uh, VFX people on that were talking to me, uh, basically about how there's already talk amongst them that they really need to unionize because it's just getting. It's just getting way out of hand. And so with the announcement that VFX artists from Marvel, who, as we know, produces so much movies and television and stuff, they need to have rights. Yeah. Protections as workers and to be given, you know, decent time away from the job. Yeah. And, you know, if you're some, you know, better benefits, if if you're just insurance, yeah, if you're just an audience member, too, and, you know, for some reason you you don't care about people's quality of life, uh, you should at least care about the quality of the shit you're watching because, you know, if yeah. uh, VFX yeah. workers have more time to, you know, work on projects and they're paid fairly, yeah. you will get things well, that look the, better. Yeah, the good example of that <laughs> is thing? Thor Love and Thunder when Taika Waititi went on the DVD commentary trashing the effects of his own film. Oh, my God. And it's like, well... Yeah, they're not great, but that's not the VFX department's fault. That's if a VFX effect is bad, and this is arguably true of any film ever made. Basically, it's not a lack of competence; it's a lack of resources and time. Yeah, um, you know those those yeah. practical and- special effects take a long time to do, and they take a lot of prep. And, and sometimes they get it, other times they don't. But with VFX, it's just that's a lot of work. It is yeah. a lot, a lot of work. Yeah. Yeah, I, uh, you know, I like to, you know, read these little things that pop up on Instagram. And then I like to go to the comment section because I'm always just curious what the like the general public like think about things. And uh, it is crazy the amount of people that are that just straight up in the comments were just like, why the fuck do they get a union? The like the visual effects on like most of the movies are shit anyways. And I was just like, it's 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 blatantly obvious, obviously, like nobody knows how the system actually works. Yeah, <laughs> but it's still the same thing where they're like, "I don't get a union for my work. Why should these people get a union for their work if they're not Which doing is the right work?" And I'm not, like, "That's not that the is, what you should gather. What you should gather is, hey, is, maybe I should create a union for my work." That is inherently a Western capitalist mindset. Yeah, it's it's it's, it's, it's so individualist. It's very individualist. Where it's like, well, no one's giving me a break. Mm-hmm. No one's giving me a break. No one's giving me a handout. Therefore, no one else should get one. Yeah, it's like it's boomers who are neighbor. like, yeah, it's, it's Love thy own bank yeah, account. Yeah, it's it's and covet the money. Yeah, it's the same thing of like boomers who are like, oh, you know, you shouldn't have free college because I didn't get free college. So you it's know. Bull- they yeah. did. Yeah, it's That's like yeah, bullshit. you fucking did. College did. cost like fucking six nickels and a fucking soda pop. Well, not only that, remember what uh, fucking Roosevelt <laughs> set in place after World War Two, where yeah. it's like so many of these people got free government subsidized education, and they're fucking. Ugh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I. I 
I will say the one thing I'm going to say in, in defense of the general public is uh, I'm going to go out on a limb and say the people who take time to uh, comment on things on the Internet are kind of the dumbest of the population, mm. uh, the dumbest and angriest, because, you know, if you have uh, things going on in your life, you're not going to waste time commenting on, you know, shit on Instagram, the, typically. Well, I mean... I, the interacting online has always just been a really weird concept to me even as a teenager I never got on forums or like you know (laughs) blog I never I was never a person that was like commenting about things like I just interacting with people that I don't know seems so strange and criticizing people I don't know seems even weirder you know because like it's like your comments just go into this like strange echo chamber you know and I'm like why would you I don't even I wouldn't even know fathom (laughs) why you would want to so it's actually very fascinating when I read the comments because I'm like it's crazy that there are people out here that think this (laughs) yeah I, I mean to be fair I also like from a morbid curiosity like oh, I do this sometimes as well. Like, oh, I remove yeah. myself emotionally just to, like, just, you know, to get a laugh out of what some of these fucking yahoos are saying. Um, yeah, and then I get angry then, and depressed then you, pretty then you quickly. Get mad. Yeah, you, you but, try to emotionally separate, and then I mean, you're mad that's anyways. something else I noticed, too. Like, when this whole strike uh, started, really reading what non-industry people are saying about it, and I don't mean, like, journalists, I mean people commenting on... on not articles they read, I'm sure, but the headline that they're reading and saying, yeah, wow, the grab tag. Oh, I guess uh, I guess these rich celebrities aren't getting enough money. I guess they're going on strike. And so there's literally from the gate, zero empathy. Yeah, zero. Because you have yeah. people like, uh, uh, you know, pick any fucking actor who's on the who's on the line right now. Brian Matt Cranston, Damon. Matt Damon. Uh, Ewan McGregor, like these are all famous people. So why the fuck are they going on strike? Fuck you guys. Uh, I, I, I am not getting any help. Why should you? But what they don't understand is that 85% of SAG card holders make less than 25k a year. Yeah, don't qualify for fucking insurance. That's, it's bad. If you're Again. listening to this, those are background actors. Famous people who are on the picket line are doing this thing called showing fucking solidarity. Yeah, that's what it is. And that's what you should be doing because guess what? You are a worker. You are not a billionaire. You have, even if you are rich, even if, even these rich celebrities have more in common fundamentally with working actors than they do with the people who run these corporations (laughs) because their labor produces the value for these companies. Not to mention there's also so many what we'll call them character actors, right? So you'll recognize them, but they're not... That guys. Right, exactly. They're not... Yeah, they're uh, not getting that much money. They're not making that much money, especially on on the returns and the dividends with uh, all of these shows that are going straight Mm -hmm. to streaming. They're getting boned where I can bet you they're getting way less than you would think. Yeah. They're they're getting. Um, but that's not that's not even the whole thing of the problem. Just all the background actors and all the writers and everything. So it was kind of depressing to me, and I'm not surprised, but I kind of knew as soon as the strike was going to happen, there's going to be these people. They're just like, oh, people in Tinseltown, you know, were upset that their champagne bottles are running low, and now they're all going on strike. I'm, you know... And it's stupid because the hotel workers right now are also going on strike. Dock workers are going on this strike. This is what I'm going to say. Going on strike. Is that I think that, you know, despite all of that, I would like to hope that most people 
have a general understanding of the fact that these workers are being mistreated because they're workers and they're being mistreated. And we're seeing a rise in labor action in this country. And it's because the system is fucking rigged against us and people are waking up to that and realizing that, hey, you know, we actually have the power. It's like the... There was some comment from the uh, Australian billionaire who made that comment all those years ago about how, oh, millennials won't own a house because they're uh, eating all this avocado toast. He made some comment comment recently that was like, we need to tank the economy so that workers feel the strain of being unemployed and feel that hit their bank accounts and realize that, you know, they're actually lucky to have a job. It's not that we're lucky to have their labor. And it's like, wait, just fucking say the quiet part out loud, dude. Remember that these are the people who actors are striking against. Writers are striking against. of production. Hell yeah. I work. Here's the thing. Like, my parents are both boomers. They are, you know, either 70 or very close to 70. And their whole lives, you know, growing up, they were poor. So they've been on survival mode. So their way of looking at the system, even if they're liberal at all, is still... You have to do whatever you have to do in order to not end up on the streets. And if that means that you need to, like, eat what your boss is saying, if that means that you need to take a job you don't like, that's what you do. And that's just the mindset because they've been in survival mode because the fucking economy has fucking been this way for a long time, you know, but people have just been eating it, you know, I don't know. Uh <laughs> It is. It's bananas. It's bananas. Honestly, it's kind of why I'm glad I watched The Apartment last night, because I love Billy Wilder's politics. That movie ends with uh, Jack Lemmon basically kind of selling his soul a little bit to try to to rub elbows with people that are upper ranks at this company. And the movie ends with him going, fuck Mm -hmm. this. I don't need you. I don't need this job. I don't need this headache. And it's a victory. It's played as a victory when he tells his capitalist employers to go fuck him to go fuck themselves yeah and so keep in mind even if you are yeah. in a position where you feel like you don't have power you have more power than you think not to again not to get too much into my week this week but uh i had to advocate for myself on set this week and yeah. my rate went up yeah because you know what i had power because yeah. my labor is generating value yeah so yeah, the show, I, yeah. Uh, I'm i not going to say too much because I signed an NDA, but the show I'm working on, uh, something happened that was a safety concern. And what happened? Transpo shut us down. Yeah. They stopped moving the trucks. They stopped moving the vans. And we could not do anything until we reached uh, an accord. And uh, we did, thankfully. And uh, the person responsible uh, has changed their ways, uh, thankfully. And, uh, but yeah, that's just a good example of how a group of people who are unionized have the authority to go, no, what you just pulled is bullshit and it could put someone in danger and now you're done. Yeah. Uh, alternatively, I've worked for a family friend before and, you know, there's, uh, there's no unions there. 
there's kind of just uh, you're a woman and that's a man and he has technically the power and stuff um, but he was uh, talking some smack shit to my sister and uh, you know what he had been for like weeks if not months if not for a whole year and I just fucking had enough I fucking went off on that dude I went off on him I fucking left work and I was like, I'm not fucking coming. I'm not going to fucking finish the work that I have. I know you have to pay people at the end of the week. I'm not fucking coming back if that's the way you're going to fucking talk to us. And what did he do? He fucking apologized. So I came Hell back yeah. to work. Yeah. And he never fucking talked to me or my sister like that again. Nice. So nice. you know what? And my sister, since then, she has, because he has been like mouthy, you know, in the like a, maybe like a year or so ago. She did the same thing. She just straight up was like, okay. All right. Uh, well, I'm going to go home. And if you want to address this problem with me uh, to get your workers paid at the end of the week, then we can then. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he did. Like an hour later, he called her to apologize because he was like, hey, are you going to come back to work? Hell yeah. Nice. Workers have power. Good for you. Well, Even I think... if you're just one fucking person. Yeah, absolutely. I think we should probably wrap up what's going on. I'm hot, man. This is I'm worked this up. has been a this has been yeah, a great no, conversation. Like, oh, we gotta cool down, guys. Uh, but you know, we've got to, we've got to soldier ahead. We've got to get to our film, and we've got to we're get to our put, big topic. Uh, we're gonna put Moscow marching music underneath all of our rants, right? <laughs> yeah, I'll, yeah, I'll put the, the Soviet national anthem under this, I'll, just quietly. Uh, all right, progressively well, getting louder as we're like speaking. All right, let's hop out of what's going on. And hello, everyone. I hope you enjoyed Labor Corner, and we are back with our big topic. Uh, So our big topic today is actors who you feel should be a bigger star than they are. Oh, I got one. All right. Well, <laughs> when you said it out loud again, I was like, "Ow!" Obviously. Okay, go ahead. No, you go. No, no, you. No, you go. No, I you seem no, fired no, up. No, you I want to hear yours. I want to hear yours. All right, mine is Dan Stevens. Really, Dan Stevens? Yeah, I think Dan Stevens is a really charismatic actor who has a lot of range, but. Who's Dan Stevens again? <laughs> exactly. Uh, Dan Stevens started his career on, uh, you want to talk British shit, okay. Downton Abbey. Oh. Um, and since has just been in good in so many things. He was on the TV show Legion. He was the lead of that. And I thought he was fucking incredible on that. Uh, he's the lead in The Guest which, uh, spoiler alert, might be making an appearance on a certain list that's fast approaching. Um, he's the lead in Apostle, uh, which is another... Oh, that guy. Yeah, yeah okay. it's another horror movie that, you know, also might be making an appearance right. on a certain list uh, that I haven't seen in several years, but I remember being very fun. Um, mm-hmm. And I just, I think that he just can kind of do anything. The thing that most people probably know him from, honestly, he played the beast in the live action beauty and the beast, which I never saw. Yeah. It lost me from that one. Probably, probably his biggest role where you know, you can't really recognize him. Um, But like, I just, I think that he is a guy who has like massive leading man chops and, really has not been given like a big breakout role to really sink his teeth into. And I think he's great. I think that he should be a bigger star than he is. Mm. 
Mick, you seemed really excited. What's I, yours? I did seem really excited. I don't know, I don't know if I'm as excited anymore. <laughs> Come on, man. You, you took my thunder. You can't do that. The, the amount of time it took you to do your thing. I'm like, I oh. told you you could go first. Yeah, well, I don't know. What about Jesus. Joey Pants? Joey Pants. Joey Pantoliano. You know what? I'm actually, um, I'm going to disagree with that. I think like, Joey. Think I, I, I do think than, that than, it, than, than I think he is. <laughs> no, no, I think that no. Joey Pants is the right level of celebrity yeah. for him. He is. I think he's a. I think he's a fantastic supporting character. Mm. You know, like in even his like biggest leading performance, which is in uh, the incomparable uh, Bound. Um, he's still more or less a supporting character. He's a, he is a lead, but he's not the leads. Um, so yeah, but yeah, I, I, uh, I felt I, like I, I'm that happy about Jennifer Coolidge at. for a really long time, where I'm like, oh, she's such a great supporting person, you know. But as soon as she started right. getting like, as soon as like, like when I saw White Lotus, I was like, yeah, no, this bitch made to be a more leading lady. She's just she's just so fun. I can see that because yeah. uh, I don't know, like Sam Rockwell as well was a guy who I was like, I like yeah. him as a flavor and things. But yeah, you watch something like Moon, which is That's all really Sam Rockwell. Yeah. And it's great. I just you think know? I would like yeah, to see you know? him in a leading role. I just really would like to see him do his thing. Every time I see him do his thing, I'm just like, yeah, <laughs> like a gangster movie. But the star is Joe Joey Pants. Pants. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, okay. you know what I want? I want like a old man rivalry comedy uh-huh. between Joey Pants mm-hmm. and Joe Pesci. Mm. I want to see those two flavors of Italian together. <laughs> the Chicago and the New York. Yes. Oh, boy. Um, I'm going to go for my pick. Uh, someone that I've, I've spoken in the past about who I think is just so good. It's Timothy Oliphant. Ooh, yeah. How is he not he's a so leading good. man? That's a Does, good pick. He had his own I mean, show, though, didn't he? Yeah, he has Justified. Yeah. Which is, by the way, I've started watching Justified. So good. Yeah, I've heard it's really good. very, very good. Um, I actually, I heard that the reason I got interested in it was because uh, apparently when uh, Tarantino casts Timothy Oliphant in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, uh, Tarantino said what a big fan of Justified he is and actually helped Timothy Oliphant come up with the idea of adapting a certain novel of doing Justified City Primeval, which is like this. They return to do one more season, but it's based on this book that they both like. Um, but yeah, Timothy Oliphant, he's just so charismatic. He's very funny. He can also play a bastard and he's just a damn good cowboy. Like I'd love to see him star in a Western. Yeah. He, he does have great cowboy energy. Yeah. That's a good pick. Yeah. Uh, one more from me. Uh, Yahya Abdul Mateen, the second. I know the name. What's the, can I see your face? Yes. Oh yeah, yeah. So he's From, the uh, he's the lead in Candyman, Candyman, right? Uh, the, the remake. The remake. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. But he's also popped up. He played uh, Morpheus in The Matrix Resurrections, kind mm-hmm. of. Um, he, well, he was also in. Um, wait, no, he wasn't. Never mind. What are you gonna say? No, I was gonna say something else. That's he's not right. he's in Us very briefly. He is. Isn't he in? Uh, 
uh, an ambulance? Yes, he is. That's right. I, yeah, he is. Yeah, he's an yeah he is. He's great in ambulance. <laughs> Love him in ambulance. Love ambulance. Let's go, boys. Ambulance all day. Wambulance. Um, he's also in Aquaman, which I quite enjoy. Uh, oh, yeah. He's probably going to be in Aquaman, too, which has, you know. Oh, yeah. He's trouble plays Black in, Mantis, right? Black Manta. Oh, Black Manta. Excuse you. Excuse you. He has oh, okay. one of the biggest dumbest helmets I've ever seen. Well, I said, I said mantis because it looks like a praying mantis. Mantis toboggan. <laughs> but yeah, I, I think he's just a guy, again, who kind of has all of the traits of a leading man. Uh, he's very handsome. He's very charismatic. Yeah. He also has range. He played, spoiler alert, uh, Dr. Manhattan in the Watchmen TV series. Uh. Um, and is great in that. I I just think that, you know, he's kind of a guy who, much like Dan Stevens, I feel like can do it all and can carry a movie. Yeah. And honestly has been in some very big projects, Mm -hmm. um, but just hasn't quite broken out as like a household name. So, Yaya Abdul-Mateen II. Luis Guzman. I don't know if you guys remember him. He's been in some Paul Thomas of Anderson course. movies. Oh, yeah. He's one of those guys. He's like guys. one of the nightclub owners in Boogie Nights. And he's one of he's the factory in workers in Punch Drunk Love. You remember him? Mm-hmm. Yes. I really like him. I don't know. Every time I see him in a movie, I just... There's no question in my mind that he is that character and he makes it feel really real. And I would just like to see him Mm -hmm. in like a much bigger, like, like an everyday man comedic role where like he's at the forefront. I just would like to see him like be able to do that. I don't know. I just... I, I just you, every mm. time you ever see him, he's always a really t- a small role, but it, it's always a it's it's always it's it's I'm, it's always sold to me, you know, like fully believe he's a he brings a good flavor to know. things. Right. I just I would like to see yeah. I would like to see good a non gorgeous like Latino man in a more starring role, I guess, you know. Mm. Hell yeah. Nice. I like that. Go pick. Um. Well, we should probably get into it. Yeah, let's do it. Okay. Uh, why are we talking about this? Well, because we uh, we watched a film that I think has a couple of people who uh, could be bigger stars than they are. Particularly, I, these are guys who are stars. Uh, I think that, I guess, I think these guys should be international stars. Uh, and that is Aiko Uwais and Joe Taslim. Both of whom are in The Night Comes for Us, which is a 2018 Indonesian action thriller directed by Timo Tayanto. Uh, and I, uh, Aiko Uwais has popped up in a couple of American films, but in pretty small roles. Uh, I think he's very briefly maybe in uh, The Force Awakens. Um, but yeah. We're talking about them in The Night Comes for Us, uh, and the plot description of this is Ito, a gangland enforcer, is stuck in the middle of a treacherous and violent insurrection within his triad crime family. Which fucking tells you all. That tells you fucking nothing. I thought you were taking a dramatic pause. No, that is it. 
That's all they Guys, have. Guys, they even watch the movie? <laughs> these these past two descriptions have been seriously uh. rough. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, so uh Ico you or sorry, uh Nice. Yeah, yeah. Ico you is. I'm I'm a little tired. Uh He's primarily known for The Raid, uh, which is another Indonesian action film. Pretty famous. You've probably Uh, seen it. Yeah, I believe it's on Netflix. But essentially, a better description of this movie is uh, Joe Taslim's Ito, who is a triad enforcer. Triad. uh, Makes the decision to save a little girl from a massacre carried out by the triad. Triad. Kills all of the goons who are working with him and then has to kind of face off against the triad to protect this little girl's life, uh, including facing off against his former friend, uh, Arian or Arian, Arian. Um, who is played by uh, Ico Uwes. Mm-hmm. Like the leading guy from the raid. They were both leading guys from the raid, weren't they? Uh, I guess. No, I guess uh, Ico Uwes, he was more of the leading. Yeah, guy. Ico Uwes is the lead in the raid. Uh, Joe Taslim. I remember him now, though, from the raid. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah. Joe Taslim plays a supporting character, I believe, both in the raid and he's also in a show which I need to keep watching uh, called Warrior. He's not the lead, but he's kind of the main rival to the lead. Oh, right. Um, And I think that both of these guys are just like super, super talented, super watchable, obviously super talented with martial arts. Yeah. But yeah, can carry a movie and, you know, should be given more opportunities. Yeah. Um, So I think this was basically a first time watch for all of us. Yeah. Uh, Who wants to jump in? What did we think of it? I um, didn't love it. I did not love this film because I thought I just thought it was a bit boring. Thought it was a bit boring. Then I thought it was a bit dull. But what's crazy about that is this is not a boring movie. Like it is jam packed with with action and violent action. At that, uh, but the problem for me was I'm not a huge. This might come as a shock to some people, but I'm not a huge like gangster film guy. Uh, like I like the, <laughs> I like the Italian American ones. Those are fun. Yeah, when you got the gabagool with up in there, it makes it a bit funnier. Um, but uh, no, I'm gonna actually rephrase that. I don't like that. that. That sounded a bit problematic. Here's the thing: when it comes to gangster films, you're gonna rephrase something because yeah. it sounded a bit problematic. I know it's weird, right? Doesn't sound like it. Doesn't sound like me. Um, I think what it is. This movie, The Night Comes for Us, feels very much like a ordinary, run-of-the-mill, modern, David Ayer-type gangster film. Wow. It has David Ayer vibes to it. How, how dare you, sir? Uh, and what Ayer. I mean by that is it's just... Uh, David Ayer has directed... Um, I think he directed End of Watch. Yes, he did uh, End of Watch. But He's more importantly, of- he directed the 2016 Suicide, Suicide Squad, Squad, which uh, I don't think I've mentioned this on the podcast, is my least favorite movie yeah. I've ever yeah, seen. No, and that's weird because that's same 
for me, like like legit <laughs> movies that I think might be the worst thing I've ever seen. I really think Suicide Squad because it's not there. a movie. It's like it's a weird six music separate music videos um, with gray ass which CGI, is, which is not at all what's happening in this movie. <laughs> what I mean by David Ayers, it's kind of like with his movies, especially ones that he did before Suicide Squad, because he's from like East LA. He does like a lot of gritty. Uh, gang films, which is fine. Like that's a whole genre within its own. But I find that from him, it's a little, it's just, this toxic masculinity abounds. You know what I mean? Where it's just like, it's gritty. It's violent. Oh, I'm a man with a man's duties. And just, it's (laughs) duty. duty. Uh, Yeah. I don't know. The, The story of this just didn't engage me. It did not engage me, Uh, but the fighting was great. Really well choreographed. There were quite a few moments where I just went, oh, my God, that is crazy good effect. Or that is looks like that just unbelievably hurts. So, you know, props to the fighting, but I was not engaged emotionally by this movie. I'm sad to say. Alexis. Um, I feel like I'm I'm kind of with Mick on some things. So I also you know me don't. I don't I don't seek out violent movies. I get the heebie-jeebies from too many squishy, squelching, bone-cracking noises. I'm just like... <laughs> bone-cracking. <laughs> I'm the bone doctor. Yeah, no, no, thank you. No, thank you. Um, uh, yeah, strangely enough, there was a point like halfway through the movie where I did tear up and I was like a genuinely like it came as a shock to me because I also felt like oh I definitely see where this movie's going it's just it kind of reminded me of like you know all those movies with like Liam Neeson like taken where like there's just like this man right. on a mission and like I could honestly it's give a man. Yeah, I'm like, I could give less of a shit about most the of those equalizer. movies. I do not seek them out. And also, I like, honestly, if the, we had not been covering this movie, I would have turned it off like probably a third of the way through because I'm like, it's just too, there's just too much blood. There's too much gore, too much shit going on. I cannot take this anymore. Um, but, this is one but, of the bloodiest action movies I've ever seen. Yeah. Wait, what? Uh, this this is one of the bloodiest action movies yeah, I have ever seen. Really gory. Yeah, I was gonna say this is the most graphic movie we have ever covered on this podcast, and uh, you know I will give it this. I even thought Maybe. this throughout the movie was wow. They are very um, uh, they're they're getting very creative with uh the, with the moves with the gore. You know, like the part where like. She has like she kind of remind me of like from Kill Bill, the girl with the can't like the ball and yes. she's in the, the schoolgirl outfit, you know, the thing on the chain. Oh, yeah, the kind of main yeah, enforcer in the fucking, crazy 88. Mm-hmm. Yeah, when she fucking wraps that shit around the guy's wrist and basically just tears off yeah. all the skin on his wrist. I was like, oh, oh, my God. Like, you know, I was having like some very like visceral reactions to some of the gore. I was just like. <laughs> I feel, I feel, I feel fragile now. <laughs> but you said you teared up. Yeah, I what did. was the moment you teared up? Um, I don't know. You know, I think it was kind of like the whole. I mean, like, I don't know if I necessarily felt emotionally connected to the fact that all these guys were just like giving their lives for this little girl, because like, for sure, I'm just a person that's like. 
okay, little girl, I would have dipped, but whatever, you know, not me, but you know, live your life. It was <laughs> hot takes. Get your hot takes here. <laughs> Hey, just me. I would have abandoned that girl, but hey, you know what? <laughs> but we can all but. say where I, I land on that. But um, so it was the part where like Ito came back to the little girl after his friends had been like murdered, and he was saying like, oh, I think he asked her something about like, oh, what did what did uh, Fati? I think it's Fati. What did he say? And he said like, yeah, like live like don't regret like i have no regrets like don't live a life with regrets i don't know why all of a sudden i just started fucking crying and i was just like why the fuck was that so touching (laughs) that's crazy because i don't know why because i i found that kind of touching too really Yeah. yeah i rolled my eyes at that line I did. I was like, "Oh, please!" It was like a, it's I like something it's, out of a Hallmark card. I, I think the the thing that card. got me was, <laughs> yeah, it's you know just, that Hallmark card where uh, someone gets a bottle jammed no, into their mouth. No, and they that, I'm saying that message. No, that I, I, I know what you're saying. It's just like, I mean, that's just like you. I, could, it's like from a Rolodex of for, lines for to me, throw I into think an it's, action I film. I think it's less the line and more. I thought. I bought Joe Taslim's reaction to that a lot. I bought Joe um, Taslim's reaction, but I think I also bought the the friend. I just I don't know. He seemed to me like this was your homie. Like, I don't know. It, I don't know if it seemed like real, you know, because this movie definitely was missing a lot of the I don't know, the, the real emotion that I look for in most movies. Um, but in that one moment where with the little girl, I don't know what it was like it, that that moment felt real to me. Don't know. Don't know. And it's definitely not a Hallmark card. I've read a lot of those. Believe me. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. So, it's just such a cheesy line for me. Why I is it cheesy? He's literally fall. giving his life, you know, and he's just saying, like, don't fucking feel guilty about this. I came through for my boy. What's the exact line again? I don't know. Uh, I, I don't remember the exact line. It's something like it's like live your life without regret or something like that. Yeah. Something like it's that. It's like something you'd see at like a store that live, laugh, love. <laughs> that would be so funny if that was <laughs> the know? last thing he said. It's like he I hands her you this know. little like wooden block that says live their life. <laughs> live, oh my God, wait. That would be me love. though. If I was like, I was like, fuck, I gotta go down. Wait, can you send them with a message? <laughs> yeah. No. Live, left, left. Alexis, <laughs> feels like- Alexis, if I found out that you died in a bloody massacre and I was like, oh my God, what did, what did she say? <laughs> her last word. It's how she wanted to go. I feel like what he says, what he says to her of like live your life without regret or whatever the line is. Live, laugh, love. It's like <laughs> it's like, okay, I'm dying. There's a kid here. I should say something. Yeah. So See, like, I, I kinda up. I kinda I kinda like that. Yeah, I think that I, I don't know. I, I like him taking care of her like emotionally when, as well as physically. When life gives you lemons, make lemonade. I, I'd like to say what I thought. <laughs> go for it. Since I picked it. Go ahead. Thank you. Thank um, you, Zach. Please go on. So I, I think I skew maybe a little more positive than you guys. I also didn't love this movie. Uh, I think that for me, I I tend to agree that generally I wasn't 
super impressed with the character dynamics, uh, how those were fleshed out. I thought that the performances across the board were all good and mm-hmm. made up for a lot, particularly yeah. uh, Arian and uh, Ito's relationship. I felt like I, I would have liked to have gotten more from that because that's kind of a big part of the spine of the movie. Yeah. And I like those two actors so much that like I want to I want to feel more when they're finally facing off towards the end. Yeah. Um, some stuff that I really enjoyed in this movie. This felt very kind of comic booky because I, I believe originally um, Timo Tianto adapted this to a graphic novel before he made it into a movie. I don't know if it was published, um, but I I do get that very comic booky feel. And like, I, I see where you're coming from, Mick, a little bit with the David Ayer thing in terms of just like the, you know, kind of machismo and, you know, masculine energy off of this. But I think... This, to me, at its best, reminded me more of, like, John Wick. You're making such a sinister face. Because I just read the message, a seven-hour goon sesh with Paul Giamatti. (laughs) 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 Don't don't ever look at the things I send you when we're on the air, Mick. Don't ever do that. That's going to derail us. Oh, man. Um, That's disgusting. But, like, I this felt... Like a very sort of heightened comic booky world that had a lot of angles to it that I, you know, had more questions about. And I, I really like that. Mm. I love a, a goon with a thing. <laughs> um, I love a good goon session with Paul Giamatti. <laughs> Like, uh, that's like a, a, a whack up session. <laughs> Yeah, so when you're gooning, it's like you're edging. <laughs> so when Zach and I get really excited for goons. <laughs> but like, you know, I like like the, the butcher enforcer. Like that's yeah. so silly and so heightened, and I, I love I, that. I agree with that. That was a um, fun sequence. Or like, you know, the character of the operator. I love that she just like shows up. We don't really know who like Center. hired her. Yeah. Uh but she just kind of comes out of nowhere, has this incredibly cool entrance with her fucking motorcycle helmet, wipes out the uh, two female goons, and then dips. Uh, so I, I don't know. I, I really enjoyed the world of this movie, and I also really enjoyed the camera work in the fight sequences. Um, I, I like when it feels like the camera is responding to every little move. I it's think like that's when someone somersaults, it's like the camera almost somersaults. A yeah, little bit. yeah. Like even like, you know, there's a bit where Iko breaks a guy's arm mm. in, uh, or sorry, Ito breaks a guy's arm in the uh, police van and the camera kind of twitches to along right. with the arm break. It's uh, it's something that in non-action scenes, David Fincher does really well. Mm. Like, his camera is always responding to even the smallest little movements mm. from characters in a way that's almost imperceptible. And this is, you know, more pronounced, but I, I really like that, and I feel like it dra- draws me in more and 
don't know. I found it very exciting. Nice. So that, that's some stuff that I enjoyed about this film. Interesting. Okay. I also, little detail that I liked quite a bit in this movie is how climate change plays like a small part in the story of this yeah, movie. Yeah, I noticed that too. <laughs> because the uh, kind of slums that uh, uh, Ito and Arian come from, uh, they're trying to get out because they are being swallowed by the ocean, which is something that's really happening in yeah. Indonesia. Yeah, they're um, talking about they're building a new city. Yeah, it's, it's crazy. Yeah, it's one of the countries that's, you know, being most affected by climate change immediately. And yeah. I, I don't know that I've really seen climate change play, you know, a role in the texture of a movie like this that isn't, you know, explicitly about climate change in that way. So I, I thought that was interesting as well. Hmm. And those are some thoughts from me. I just don't yeah. know who this movie's for. <laughs> because like, like gory action. I, well, what I was going to say, I, I really like what Alexis said. If like, this is very much like a Liam Neeson movie with like taken or or the equalizer mm-hmm. we all know those are dad films and the night comes for us is very much a dad movie <laughs> just think about it think of the story think of the of the world it's about rescuing this little girl you got some fatherly love going on this is a dad movie it's but about it's a so man standing his ground which is why it's a dad movie <laughs> It's yes. about no, it's exactly one thousand percent and a man standing yeah. his ground. Which it's is about why it's a man. It, yeah, it's about a man who is at their end. They're at their wits' end, so they've decided that they're going to take justice into their own hands, and they're just going to kill everybody. That is a dad you know movie. Why? And you know why? Because old men think they have it so fucking bad, and they're like, "Yeah, man, yeah. this guy knows no, exactly. what's up. He's fucking. Fu- he's yeah. he's making There's it so many, just like me, man." <laughs> There's so One many dads. There are so many dads that just want to like kick the shit out of everybody, but they can't. And so we have movies like Nobody, starring Bob Odenkirk. That's a dad I was movie. literally about to say Nobody is perhaps the dad yeah. movie. Dad, if you're listening, <laughs> yeah. watch Nobody. You're gonna fucking love it. My dad, Loki, off the air. I've got to tell you this story. Uh, he had a dad. I've got to stand my ground yeah, no, for moment this week, and yeah. it genuinely was a moment where you should be standing your ground. But I was just like, man, it's you know that's did like that's X like bad. Come into his Chinese restaurant. Uh, yeah, no, he had to defend his alcohol. Restaurant. <laughs> Snap But man. <laughs> but yeah, but my point it's like, but also it's like ultra violent. So it's also for like you'd think it's kind of targeting like the teen age, the teen boys that love those yeah. ultra violent things. So it's kind of like, I don't know who this movie's for. It's for it's for uh Quentin Tarantino. I guess so. 40, yeah. 40 50 year old men. Hey guys, I just gotta say, the night comes for us. I freaking love this movie. I thought it was so groovy, you know? The the moment where the guy got stabbed in the mouth with the bottle, I thought that was really groovy. In the the final fight, I will send you 10 photos of my feet. (laughs) Oh, wow. Guys, I gotta go get him. Ignore that. (laughs) Bye, Quentin. (laughs) Sorry, Quentin's gonna go goon. (laughs) Okay, I get it. Um, There it is. There it is. I've seen like five saw movies the first five saw movies seen them all okay this movie i saw saw movies actually 
maybe more gory than a Saw movie. I genuinely like there's not that many deaths in a Saw movie. There's quite a lot and they are awful. But the amount of deaths in this movie is crazy. Like, I, I love the yeah, trope, though, know. of, like, one man having the strength of a hundred because it is so perfectly, like, manga, comic book-esque, you know? So I do I do love this whole, like, oh, he's invincible. But also, white boy Bobby. That's what's any boy, fight movie. white boy Bobby. Love him. Love him. Yeah, he's great. I fucking loved white boy yeah. Bobby. I, fe- I feel like I've known someone that looks just like that in my life. We've <laughs> All, we've all Insane. known a white boy Bobby. 100%, 100%. Yeah. yeah. White the boy Bobby's good people, like, though. The that gets you into, like, massive trouble, and then they're like, man, I just thought I was helping out. Yeah, he, he is the, uh, the the Tyler McCoy of the uh, of the triad. Oh. <laughs> Don't they invoke were in him. the triad. They Do were not in invoke the triad. Him. It was literally his fault yeah, that they, they were in the triad. the triad at all. <laughs> Stop doing that. I'm so sick <laughs> Just taking this whole thing off the fucking rails. It's relevant. It's in the movie. You're just saying the thing that we're saying again. Every time someone says triad, you're just saying, oh, now you don't no, do I'm it. Not, I'm yeah, not going to do it. You I'm fucker. Not gonna do it. You fucker. I'm not going to do it. I really like the, the the moment though where they take it's a it's like a, it's kind of like a katana and he puts oh. it in the guy's mouth and then slides it over oh and my then God. the camera pushes in and his cheeks have just been completely separated yeah he's got that big old Joker smile that was crazy why so yeah. serious yeah a lot of violence. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. What that's about called, the uh, karambit? I think is what that's called. That's the move is called. A, no, the the knife is called a karambit. Oh, okay. Yeah. Mm. Uh, thank you. Um, correction corner. I love it. A live correction corner. Um, <laughs> that's what we do. I liked the uh, uh, the lesbian goons. I yeah. <laughs> uh, we've got to start saying henchmen. <laughs> Okay. Um, <laughs> I loved that no, she did. like I like, I like the lesbian goons to Fatih's apartment, but she like licked her finger Licks. before she left, and I was all, oh yeah, she oh, she okay. she licked her here. knuckles. She yeah. licked her knuckles. That's what mm. that was, which is also says something even more. Yeah the the fight scene. Why why you gotta lick the, the whole knuckle? Fight scene. <laughs> why not? That happens right after we, that. We know the, what that means. Jesus <laughs> Christ! We know we know what causes that now. Uh, <laughs> you're about to see some knuckles up close in a second. <laughs> uh, the the fight scene in the hallway after that, where the blonde uh, lesbian enforcer yeah. comes out of the elevator great. and just starts wiping people out is so scary i i do like that you know because of the creative and extreme kills we do kind of get some slasher movie energy from this mm-hmm. movie at points yeah and i i thought that was really fun dude at one point also, somebody took a knife and put it into yeah. the top of someone's forearm and, and then dragged it all the way down to their wrist and I was like slay Ito slay <laughs> you know one of my favorite Ito moves is uh, in the butcher shop which I the other thing that I love about the butcher one is that he is 
humming as he works. Yeah. He's, he's having fun. I he's love, a happy boy. I love a henchman who's having a blast. And uh, I also love that he just like has his, oh, you haven't heard about my seven butchers? <laughs> it's yeah. like, who are these seven butchers? Uh, <laughs> but when Ito jams the bone into someone's chest, that was so, mm-hmm. yeah. goes crazy. So much. There's goes so much of a, so much rampaging happening it's, in this movie. You know, maybe that's what appeals to me about this film and maybe why I, I was having slightly more fun with it than you guys yesterday is, mm. uh, you know, I, I had a bit of a difficult few days and I, I needed some rampage in my life. And this movie del- delivered can, a lot of see, rampage. I, I think for me, I've just been teacher. so... I can just only hear David Shearer's voice yeah, saying, it's just David, gratuitous violence. This is gratuitous. They didn't need to show it. It's Maybe it's gratuitous for you, David. We knew what he was going to do when he had the bone. Why yeah. did we need to see it? <laughs> because it rules! Because um, it's sick as fuck, David. I think it's, for me, I, I've been, <clears throat> this job I have right now, very thankful for it, but it makes me very tired. And so when I watched this movie, which is just so at 110%, it's so intense, it's so violent. I think I was just made, I think it just made me feel tired watching it, which is why I wasn't like, maybe maybe that's why I didn't respond to it as strongly. Um yeah, it is. Uh, it is intense. This is a, this is an intense picture. Oh, absolutely! It yeah. is two hours of a lot of uh, extremely violent rampaging. I do. I, I will say, having said that, I enjoyed the use of explosives in this movie. Yeah, you don't the, get enough grenades. Yeah, the grenade in the, in the cop car, and then you see the all the little chunks fly yeah, out behind. All the little chunkies, or, the chunky or when man, yeah. they put like this. The ch- yeah, where they put the uh, the C four lining that hallway, mm-hmm. and there waits for the goons to go in there, and then they they ignite that fucker, and you just see like an overhead of all and just go, and they just completely decimated, and then and then the blonde lesbian and our hero are fighting over like the the bloody corpses of these guys. It's good mm-hmm. stuff. That is good oh, stuff. I love Reminds me, honestly, the way of- she died too. The blonde. Le- uh, I'm not going to call her the blonde lesbian. Uh, Alma, Alma. What should we call fifth, her? The the third lotus. Oh, her character name. Is it Alma the third lotus? Uh, let me take a little look at our uh, character. Yes, Alma. Alma. Yeah. No. Love that because you get this moment where like the operator straight up like realizes her pinky has been like cut through basically. So she like snaps it all the way off and just like tosses it. And yeah. Alma has this moment of like, oh ah, ha, ha, bitch, I got you. And then her guts start spilling out. And I was like, yeah, okay, but also kind of legit. <laughs> 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 Alexis, I don't seek out violent movies, but when yeah. I see them, yeah. it awakens something. <laughs> well, okay, you know, I'm a sick little freak, you know? I may not seek this shit out, but once I'm in it, I'm just like, damn, what the fuck? <laughs> I'm ready to go, dude. A mm. <laughs> uh, little costuming note. I really enjoyed uh, Arian's outfit at the end. His Dracula suit, and <laughs> I was—he's uh, wearing like a black suit and a red tie. Right, he's looking like a Dracula. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I was a little tired and sauced when I watched this movie last night. Yeah, um, <laughs> I wrote down the note. 
when he gets his tie like grabbed onto mm-hmm. by Ito, <laughs> there's a note that just says, the Dracula tie is not an asset to you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a fucking crazy way to phrase that, Zach. Um, I also really enjoyed in that fight when they're fighting on top of like the metal pipes, the sound design of that was really <laughs> fun. That was oh, good yeah, too, because yeah. it looks like that didn't look choreographs really that just looked like them struggling to stand yeah. on these pipes yeah but they bought that for sure yeah. yeah well do we have anything else about this film <clears throat> i guess i just thought it was a bit predictable like when uh he uh, the friend like shoots arian quote unquote we don't see it and immediately you know like well every death in this movie we have seen so far. And the fact that we haven't seen his means he's not dead. Because this film's oh. gratuitous. And then you we go what? and it's like, oh, aha, he didn't shoot him. It's just like, okay, well, yeah, well, we knew that. I, I didn't. I didn't know that, actually. Because when they did really? that, I was like, oh, that doesn't make sense. He seems like a key character. Why would they do I was having this moment of like, why would they do that? Is this movie going to get worse? And then I was like, oh, of course he didn't fucking kill him. <laughs> I'm dumb. <laughs> so, I mean, like, <laughs> right. it technically came to I, me as a surprise. And so maybe, you know, not everybody is as intelligent also, and forward thinking as you are, Mick. Yeah, Mick. I, I mean, you. I knew that. God, you're I mean, such a piece a of given. shit. <laughs> but like when Alma's intestines like flew out, I was like, I also kind of expected that too because there was a long pause in her, and I'm like, oh well, she's she's gonna die, and then she coughs up blood, and the camera pans down. It's like, yeah, I don't know. I just a lot of this movie I saw coming. The one part I didn't see coming was the very beginning, which I actually really liked, which is where uh, our hero is pointing the gun at the girl, and then it cuts away, and you hear the machine gun sound and I was like because I thought oh he's going to have a change of heart he's going to rescue her cuts to the machine gun sound and go oh fuck okay this is our baddie this is our main villain and then she's alive I was like oh that's a pleasant twist okay so he we shot the other machine goons. gun a child yeah, we didn't do that oh that's nice um yeah yeah I think two other you know gripes I take with this movie are I guess the the central relationship with Reina, the kid, as well, like, she is basically a MacGuffin, and, you know, I feel like she should be more of a character. Because, mm. uh, you know, obviously we don't want to see a child get, you know, sliced to bits by all of these Indonesian goons. Um, but... Yeah, Alexis, would... <laughs> that's why you save her. <laughs> Oh, okay. That's why you rescue the girl. Okay, I'm, I'm sorry. How do I know she's because gonna make anything of her movie. life? Fuck that bitch. I'm just kidding. Wow. I'm hot just takes. Kidding. Get your hot takes here. Just kidding, guys. Oh, I love the part boy. where she you took it into her own hands and, like, you know, just like sliced the dude in the face. I was like, yeah, go girl. Yeah, bring that was something fun. to the Seeing table. A, a finally, little girl shiv a guy. <laughs> That was, I was like, that must have been fun for her, a little actress. Listen, I'd be there. I'd, I'd save that girl. I'd stand my goddamn ground. I'd make a stand because I'm a man who's had enough. Exactly. No. Um, but the one other thing about this movie, because I, I do love the like opening sequence on the beach. One thing I don't love is when a movie opens with a ton of text. Uh, really? Yeah. So not a big Star Wars guy, are you? No, uh, <laughs> but I don't know. The Star Wars 
opening crawl is like exciting and has fun music and it scrolls around. Um, this one just opens with yeah, like yeah, two yeah, different yeah. black screens explaining what the triad, triad. is. <laughs> And I don't know that we needed that. Uh, I think we could have figured it out. <laughs> Go on. You look well, so they, fucking they pleased with that. What else does it They say? talked about that organization huh, uh, multiple times. What organization? So, yeah, I don't think we needed the, the, the text at the beginning talking about that specific organization or anything. So, Yeah. Uh, also, I feel like the inner workings of the triad are not particularly important to the actual, like, function of this story. Yeah. You know, like, we basically just need to know that the triad is, like, a criminal organization that's coming up against our main character. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what and I, I think mean, about the triad. Right. Nice. Yeah. And then, I mean, technically, when, when Bobby talks about, like, da 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 you know, like, smack and coke are, like things that we need to get into because they have like a crazy markup and then and then they say like da, 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 like you can't do that like you literally just fuck you got us involved with the triad it's like it's like that answered all the questions that they put at the very beginning where it's like oh okay that's connected so yeah triad there oh. it is there it is <laughs> I just wanted to do it's it like once. Mick has a loaded gun right now. Will he shoot it? <laughs> Will he like throw a trigger? Throwing, <laughs> throwing chum in the water. Yeah. <laughs> Seeing if the shark's going to pop up. Um, well, I think that's probably a fine place to wrap up. That's a fine, fine place to wrap it. The night comes for us. If you want to watch a, uh, you know energetic violent action movie that uh would appeal to a dad if it weren't so fucking bloody yeah. uh you can check it out on netflix um and with that we have one more film left oh, wow. in asian cinema month wow it's it's going quick we have i've really enjoyed this month so far yeah i think this Me has too. been fun and uh you know for our last movie we are going to head back over to Korea. <gasps> and we are going okay. to wrap up Ooh. with a 2016 horror thriller Ooh. called The Wailing. Ah. Uh, and mm. you can find The Wailing on Pluto TV, Tubi, Peacock, Amazon Prime. It's on a whole bunch of things, which ah. is great because when I put this on my horror movie list the first year I did it, uh, it was not, it? I had to rent it. Is um, it not on Netflix anymore? Uh, no, it's not on Netflix oh, okay. anymore. This uh, is a very good movie. Yes, it's it directed is, yeah. by Na Hong Jin, and uh, it is starring Kwak Dun, uh, Do Wan and Huang Jun Min. Uh, and I'm going to go ahead and consult Sang before yeah. our next episode and do a little name rundown to see uh, you know, how I'm, how I'm going to do on this. What? <laughs> Had we all seen Old Boy before we did Old Boy? Uh, Mick had. No, I had. Oh, you had? Yeah. Right. Oh, yeah, right. It had just it been was, a long time. It had been a yes. long time. I yes. love that we're bookending with, like, Korean movies that all of us have seen. <laughs> you know? Hell like, we'll yeah. We'll begin and end with yeah. Korean movies that all of us have seen, because, you know, Korea, top notch. Aha. <laughs> <laughs> film majors tested and approved that's right mm -hmm. um 
Yeah, so that's where you can find The Wailing. And if you want to find us, the film majors, on social media, you can find us at Film Majors Pod on Instagram, Threads, and TikTok. And if you want to, you know, the reason that I like to mention the next movie that we're talking about is so that, you know, people can get a chance to uh, watch the movies. So, you know, one, go oh. watch The Wailing. And. Also, send us your thoughts on the movies if you yeah. have been watching along. And yeah. you can I'm hoping that some of our listeners will like actually watch the film before our episode comes out so that they can agree or disagree with whatever it is we have to share. Yeah, I like to think yeah, of this as yeah, kind of participant. Yeah, kind of a little film book club. Yeah. Uh, and yes, send, all right. Well, send us your thoughts at filmmajorspod at gmail.com. Yeah, I like that we're getting a spooky season. Uh, we're, we're pulling the trigger. Uh, we're uh, pulling the trigger. Have we noticed how we've done this two years in a row now? Oh, no. <laughs> our last, I, I our last movie in September was a horror movie both times. That's good stuff. <laughs> all right. Well, go check that out. Yeah, check it out, folks. And uh, this episode was brought to you by... The Film Majors. You're listening to The Film Majors. We'll see you next week on The Film Majors. A gabagool.